when you've finished a job and you know that your designer's happy and your directors are happy and and then finally when you get to see it it looks it's all as how it was supposed to be that's really nice being able to see the end product i feel really proud of that i've been part of that ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films tv shows and theater productions you watch well crew chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions i'm Poonam and i usually work in the costume department whenever i tell people what i do they're always fascinated so i thought wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love today's guest is Vivine Campbell, who had inherited a love of clothing and sewing from her mother and grandmother and decided to study fashion and garment technology to pursue a career in it. After graduating and working at a theatre and joining a film training scheme, FT2, Vivine was able to experience the world and workings of a film production and decided to pursue a career in costume. Having worked as a standby crowd supervisor and assistant costume supervisor, Vivine now works as a costume supervisor in the industry. A few years ago, Vivine with her husband set up the Jerk Joint, a Caribbean street food catering business, which she runs alongside her work in the industry. Recently, Vivine has with a group of industry professionals set up the Black Costume Network, which speaks to kids in schools about the film industry as a career path in order to encourage more kids from diverse backgrounds to enter the industry. Vivine has worked on productions such as Taboo, Victoria and Abdul, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Artemis Fowl and the upcoming film Pirates, to name a few. Hi, Vivine. Hello. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Um, Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so I'm going to start by asking, you work as a costume supervisor in the film world. You also sort of do costume crowd supervising as well, don't you? I do, I do. Mix both, don't you? Um, yeah, think of both pies. But yes, it's good to have that though. I'm going to sort of focus more on the costume supervising aspect of what you do. And from your perspective, what does that involve? I suppose that is you take care of the budget, you take care of a team, your designer and office type stuff, a lot of logistics and ahead planning, forward thinking, I would say. And um, actually, there's a question I was going to ask you later, but you sort of mentioned it because you sort of said logistics and stuff. Um, a lot of that, a lot of, like you said, is your job is being is practical and logistical. And um, do you ever miss the creative aspect of the job? Yes yes you do because yeah it is very much planning and but you can you do get points in your job where you can dip your toes in and like you know when fittings come in or when you've got lots of crowd and you might need to pop over to crowd you can get a little bit of the creator side in but it's not as much as it would be doing other roles within the department so I do sometimes miss the creative part yeah yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Um, how did you get into costume? By accident, really. I used to work in a theatre and I used to do making behind the scenes like from home whilst working in the box office. But I was looking through jobs in the Guardian newspaper and I saw an advert for FT2, which is film and television freelance training. And it was a scheme and I applied and got in. And that's how I knew that costume was a job because I studied fashion first okay. um, and garment technology. So I don't know. I don't even know why why I didn't think of it as a job. I just thought you watch things on TV and didn't think that people had to be clothed. It I think never... a lot of us still think like that. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'd never thought about how they actually got into costumes or anything like that until I saw this advert in the newspaper and got in that way. Um, and what did that involve, the F2? Is it still something that is around? No, it doesn't exist anymore, which is a shame. Oh. They would pay your wages every month and find you placements on different productions. Oh, wow. So, and it was a two-year course. So I got to, in the first year, I'd done things like sound. I done I was a camera trainee. I've done production so I could see all around the production. And then in the second year, it was just costume placements. And you could never work with the same designer team twice. It, they'd always place you on something different so that you could build up your contacts. Oh, wow. It was really good, yeah. Well, that's amazing. It's a shame yeah. it's not around now. I know, I know. Valuable. The um, funding was pulled, uh, which was okay, a thing. Like a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then how did you get into what you do now? I feel like it was a natural progression from crowd supervising. So I started as a standby, well, trainee standby, and then went into crowd supervising. And then from there, I went into supervising so it was almost like a natural step into supervising and then a part of your job as costume supervisor involves putting um, a team together of people how does that work because I imagine like a designer may have a few people that they want to work with but then how do you begin that process at the moment there are core people that I would always sort of let know that there might be a possibility of a job coming up just want to know your availability so I'd start putting the feelers out from very early on to see who's about and then the designer I I would always ask whoever I'm working with if they have any preference and it's usually their assistants their assistant designers and crowd pullers and fitters that they would want to have picks on because it's people that work quite closely with them and they've Mm -hmm. got to convey their ideas to people that they get on with and they trust yeah how important is it to have a good team around you I would say it is very important just because the jobs always tend to be be a stress factor so you should be able to I feel like when I'm working with my team it's nice to be able to have a shorthand with people or be able to be quite honest like have a a trust for who you're working with and after you've worked with people they become you know your friends and your colleagues you know sometimes they're your they're your colleagues first and then they become your friends and you just build up a nice trust and you can be able to be if there's something troubling you or if there's something that you know you don't like doing you should be able to be very open with the people that you're working with without either causing any sort of bad feelings not that I'm ever rude or anything like that but I'd like to be very honest with what I'm doing so if there is a problem I can tell you without somebody being upset that I've called out a problem it's, a, it's an understanding isn't it I guess, yeah. exactly yeah yeah uh, yeah so I feel that it is very important to have a good nice team around you yeah definitely I think it makes them um, it's like a, it's been a running theme the good team creates a good atmosphere and in that environment your work thrives exactly yeah and naturally there'll be like moments of stress and which we all go through but if you're with people that kind of have your back and I don't know make the whole process a bit nicer then it inevitably you'll have a a great well you'll have good memories at least yeah exactly exactly (laughs) once that's Um, intact it's all right the other stuff around you can sort of 
handle because you're within uh, almost a protective bubble within your team. Yeah, I think that's so true. So uh, how do you as a costume supervisor start with a job? So firstly, I would get the script. I think everyone looks at different things within their script. So you'd get your script, you'd read the script first and get a feel for it and then you'd reread it and then you can start pulling out the parts that are like red flags like oh that that's expensive or okay that's wet or that's that that's a stunt that's a double and you start doing it like that and you have so I would put together a basic budget where you think okay this is going to cost that amount and then you'll speak with your designer and you'll go through what they're thinking if they're thinking that part's going to be a make or that part's going to be, I'm talking in period terms at the moment. Yeah. Or if that were, I think we can go to a costume house for that one. I can see that being that. So you'd go through their ideas as well. And then I'd start doing a proper budget where you start putting in what sort of team you need. And you need to have your crowd breakdowns where you're going to have crowd and price and I'll do a principal budget and I'll do a crowd budget and I would do a team budget, a crew budget. So there'll be three different budgets with one script. Oh, gee, that sounds like a lot. Finance, there's a, yeah, around. there's a lot of elements, but it's also quite nice, you know, shift, making things work, sort of trying to shift things around and making it work for both your designer and the production. It's really nice when you can make it work for both. You know, a lot of the time the production don't actually see what you need and you have to be like, no, this is this is how much it is really going to cost and they either believe you or they don't, but it all sort of works out towards the end, one way yeah. or the other. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there's I always, I mean, I'm not privy to that side of the conversation, but I feel like there's always that sort of a little bit of a battle. It's just the understanding of how much things actually cost and how much time things take so and especially with periods like some things you can't you can't play around with figures because it costs what it costs because Mm. it's the nature of what you're what you're shooting so if things don't get cut or get taken away that's what it's going to cost and you can't really there's nothing you can really do to take it down so I imagine there's a lot of pressure on um on you guys like costume supervisors to sort of I don't know if this is the case, but like keep costs down or yeah, yeah, there sort of is like you you've got to try and treat it as your own sort of money. But I don't think anybody is ever like flashing the cash. They're always <laughs> thinking ahead, trying to think of how they make it work. And some sometimes it does, and sometimes you just can't make it work, and you have to just be honest and say it can't work. This it just can't work how you'd like it to. And then you give that decision to somebody else to make. Yeah, I think um, it's such a hard job. And I think when you watch something, you you just people wouldn't appreciate, apart from the obvious things that you can't, like say a costume that you see or the makeup or, you know, the director, blah, blah, blah. You wouldn't appreciate that there's someone sitting there working out all this stuff and having all that foresight for this then to be on tv or on a screen for you to watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. That part, yeah that part you're like you just want to see the end yeah. of that, don't you? yeah um so this leads nicely on to what are the challenges of your job gosh there's many <laughs> there's lots of different ones that like at each job presents different challenges like you know when sometimes they pull things scenes forward that's always that's mm-hmm. always interesting how you're going mate or get 
it is always problem like the job is always problem solving you are just there to solve problems and try and or try and cushion problems and not as long as they're not affecting your team or holding up filming um there's always challenges and i suppose you just take on each one at the time i feel like the role of a super yeah is just getting through a job is just one challenge and you just approach you just take it bit by bit and do it treat them all separately so that you can just keep going yeah I don't know if that's a good answer but no, I, can't, that is good. I can't think of one specific challenge I think it's all yeah. quite challenging I, yeah I think and actually I think you said it yourself it's problem solving and I think a lot of people that have been on they've all sort of said whether it be making or cutting they've all sort of said it's a it, job is ultimately problem solving there's someone's presented you with this and you need to figure out how to do it and I think that's so true it is and in the same vein, what are the highlights of your job? Oh, making it work. When you've finished a job and you know that your designer's happy and your directors are happy and, and then finally when you get to see it, it looks, it's all as how it was supposed to be. That's really nice, being able to see the end product. And, and sometimes that takes away all the you know nonsense that's gone on in a job. You forget all of that to see <laughs> the end thing and you're like, great I feel I feel really proud of that I've been part of that yeah I, th- I think that is so true I think um seeing the final product whether it be like you just going to set or seeing it at a screening or just watching it at home it's immensely satisfying yeah and when it all yeah when it all yeah. comes together and with the different departments as well yeah you definitely get like a context for what why you because I think we work in our individual sometimes I feel like we probably work in our individual like sort of silos and it's hard to sort of see how okay this has been this but how will this look on like with the lighting and the cameras and the yeah and stuff and it is really satisfying yeah Um, no um now I wanted to ask you in light of what is going on in the world at the moment and being a black woman in costume so how has your experience been um well the only experience I could probably say is that is our the film industry in general is a very white industry so um but you you sort of adapt to like just like you you know when you go on holiday or where you go you sort of read the situation read the crew Mm. and you know what sort of environment that you're going to be in and you know what sort of almost how many levels of shielding you'd need to have on on you like as a person but I tend not to let things get to me yeah. So if there's anything that is a bit off or I haven't liked, I don't let it because or you've always like you grow up with that sort of barrier because it's something that you deal with every day because yeah. your skin's not changing colour. So, you know, growing up through the 80s and whatnot, yeah. things, you've already got that shield on you. So you just deal with it each day and most days are fine. And then, yeah. you know, on odd occasions you get things that where you're assumed to be an essay nothing that not that there's anything wrong with being an essay but you're not seen to be as part of the crew or you get you know um, assumptions made about you and whereas people may have bumped into you before like they might put you on a production where you know it's a very diverse acting job and they assume that they've seen you there because the cast is mainly black and you're like no that's not where you've seen me before just things like that but apart from I try not to let things penetrate me in that way 
keep it moving and then in terms of because i think it's a question that is a a conversation that's going on at the moment as well is that you don't there's not many faces like ours in our industry how do you think we can diversify and encourage people of different backgrounds to get into costume and costume but film generally as well film yeah film generally i think that because i don't know about you but i've never seen I've never had anybody in the family that's done it for as a job. I never knew about it as a job. Didn't know it was an option until when I was, because I came into this when I was 25. So I think getting in that education level, like it being seen as a career path from very early on is probably something that we need to look at. And, you know, we've been, we're trying to roll out a educational outreach, so to speak, where we go into schools. And we do talks with diverse schools just to say this is a this can be a career for you. And there are many different jobs within the film industry that you can do. And I think if we can get into school levels and start presenting it as an option from early on in the future, we'll see more black and brown faces and ethnicity coming into the industry. What's the programme called? Um, we are the Black Costume Network and I know that sound and hair and makeup and other departments are setting up their own divisions, divisions within yeah. that in that field so that's who we are and we've formed a little a group a core group that will be trying to roll out these programs and one took place via zoom a couple of weeks ago and it was really successful and all the children mm-hmm. were really interactive and enthusiastic about it so that was quite positive so hopefully we'll make contact with more schools along the way and we'll be able to do them throughout the year around across you know wherever is needed really yeah. I think that's amazing and you're right I think it does start off at at school age going into school so so many people haven't heard that you could be a costume costume supervisor or a maker or jewelry maker or costume props maker or you know even beyond in other departments as well so I think it's really important that like you said it's and like you're doing actually it's really important to start with um kids yeah 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 I think so definitely (laughs) yeah I hope so (laughs) I'm sure it is (laughs) um what inspires you I think all sorts inspire me you can get inspiration from like sometimes when you see a film and it's been really beautiful that's quite inspiring books reading some books have been like can create like a different field with your imagination there's so many things that are inspirational um that you can get inspiration from around yeah I don't I can't say that it's one specific thing because I feel like I can get it from all sorts of things and sometimes unexpected. I'm, I'm not, I'm very... You know, open. Yeah, open to open all to sorts of things. Yeah, exactly, exactly, open to all sorts of things. But I do I do love reading and I do love films and going to the theatre and all sorts of things that... And colours, I love colours. So maybe colours. Colours, that's a nice place to start, I like yeah. that. And books, I would agree with you 100% with the books because I think I, I answered that as well. I'd say books as well. Yeah, yeah. A good book, it can, you know, really change everything. Yeah, yeah, Make exactly. Differently, definitely. Exactly, yeah, it does. And what skills do you need to be a costume supervisor? I would say that you need to be able to communicate with people 
all sorts of people, um, difficult people, easy people, um, yeah. people you don't like, people that you like, you need to be a good communicator. You need to be somewhat organised and a forward thinker, I think, and a first pal, I would say. I think you need to be able to be changeable, not to, you can, don't have to stick to one path. You, you're open to working in all sorts of ways because you have to. Yeah, that's really good, actually. That's true. Because I think, so, I think generally is, I, at least I am like this as well. You kind of, you're so tunnel vision at, in some moments about something and then that takes someone from outside your little box to say well actually have you tried this and have you tried that and then you think oh yeah wait actually yeah yeah." exactly yeah have that flexibility about you willing to learn yeah willing to adapt exactly (laughs) um you also with your husband run have like a side business is that am I correct in saying that yes the jerk joint Okay, so you can say, you can, you can describe what the jerk joint is first, but to give people some context. So, oh gosh, it was probably about five years ago now. Um, Kev has always wanted to have his a food business and we were up late one night and bought a caravan on oh, eBay. Wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. We were, we was like, right, I think it was on, it was on Victoria and Abdul, I think. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And we was like, okay, well, we've bought it now. We're going to have to make it work. And we spent a year converting it, ripped it all apart and done the, what's his name? George, George oh, the, something. the small spaces guy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I know who you mean. I think it is George yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. We've done that sort of thing where we worked on it over a year and watched lots of YouTube videos and completely changed it. And we now mainly, well, Kev does most of the cooking do Caribbean catering Jamaican food on it and around all about it's very it's very cool and actually the question I was going to ask you is that is that how do you because you obviously work and you have a family and then you've got this business as well how do you manage I don't actually know okay (laughs) literally don't like I think I don't know at the moment because we've got so much downtime I'm like I don't know like sometimes when the filming's going on and then you've got the kids at home and then at the weekend you're doing the dirt joint as well it is just crazy I don't know how like at the moment I'm I'm not sure how I could even do that working seven days a week for like months and months on end but um I suppose it's passion I suppose you mm. when you do what you enjoy you just you just do it and you just you just keep going like and wanting to not wanting to fail at anything you just got to keep it going and I suppose that's how and if you don't think about it like now I can think about it I'm like oh my god I can't do that but when you're not thinking about it you just like it's there and it has to be done so you just get on and you do it and that's how how it goes you just keep doing what you have to do yeah I think and like you say I think passion goes a long way to making you thrive and kind of go beyond what you think you're capable of so definitely um yeah it's really cool that you've done like you've done it as well because I think loads of people probably have like ideas of oh well, I want to do this on the side I want to do that and it's really cool that you've actually executed it and yeah I think that's yeah really I, think, amazing. I think we're very proud of it actually it's like well, it should be like a, a little baby <laughs> yeah it's amazing because I like I think like, like I said I think loads of people have those ideas and dreams and they think oh should I should I but I think you've taken the plunge and you've made something of it so I think that's to be 
applauded so yeah thanks yeah, yeah. thank you very much <laughs> uh, all right <laughs> um so what's your favorite kind of job to work on I like doing research I do like doing even though I supervise I like doing research and I like recreating things I like a true sometimes I like a true story um mm. just because I've become obsessive about <laughs> the real people some I like jobs that you have making in where you can where people are creating things from nothing and work mapping out somebody's vision that's really nice seeing everything come together like from you know a piece of fabric that isn't the right color and then it getting dyed and it being embroidered and then the makers making it and it all and then it becoming this shape on the person I I like those sorts of things those sorts of jobs even though they're very hard I do like those sorts of jobs yeah thing it's, it's it's very satisfying those kinds of jobs like seeing it going from an idea to then like the 3d tangible thing in front yeah. of yeah yeah it's really nice yeah like they're very it. satisfying so when a film ends when a production when you finished what happens after film finishes with all the costumes you have to work out what's going back to the different costume houses that like what needs to be embargoed got big crowds separating all the separate the clothing first the costumes mm. first and then getting them into the right costume houses and then seeing what needs to, if anything needs to be cleaned or anything's damaged that needs to be possibly repaired if you need to own up to anything to the costume <laughs> houses and just trying to get everything back to where it belongs without any hiccups mm. um could you just explain what embargo means please just for people that may not know so embargo is where the principal characters have got costumes and if you need to hang on to them because of editing or possible reshoots mm. so that you can if you are going to do a reshoot you can go back to those costumes without any problems and knowing where they are that makes sense um i just wanted to add that then i've used that term before and people are like what and then just in terms of say if you've actually made stuff from scratch um what happens to those so those would also be um, production normally sort out a space um, for those sorts of costumes to go to. Maybe a, a big hangar or storage company will hold on to the costumes until you have a picture app. Uh, and picture app is way, way, way kind of way after ahead. editing. Yeah, after editing. And then they say, right, there's going to be no more. There's no possibility of doing reshoots. We're happy with, with um, what we've got. Ah, okay, cool. It can be a very long process, can't it? It's the it can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a few I'd say I'd add on maybe three to four, maybe possibly six months after. Could even be a year after you've wrapped that you might need to hold on to costumes. Oh wow, yeah, that is a long time actually. Yeah, it depends how involved the the production is. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um but I've come on to my last question, which is, what are your three favourite to watch recommendations? Oh, OK. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, mm. one is going to be so cheesy, but I love it. And I, I've Easy. never got tired of watching it. Never, ever. Like, I'm always happy if it comes on TV. Dirty Dancing. Oh, oh, you're the second person to say that, actually. So it's not cheesy at all. Yeah, absolutely love it. So I like that one. Yeah. What did I watched yesterday? I watched Queen and Slim. That was really good, and that was beautifully shot. That was really nice. My list. It's a sad story, but it's um, it was really good. I enjoyed that. And 
Mine Night, which was at the National Theatre, was a very good, that's a very good watch. I don't know if anyone could watch that now because it's out of the theatre. I think I heard an interview with the actress or the director. I can't remember. Is it about the, is it when someone's passed away and in the yeah. community yeah. that have like a wait, nine day wake type Nine day wake, yeah. It was brilliant. It was really good. Well, that's, I wonder if they're doing it um, like they're streaming because they're doing a lot of streaming, aren't they? Yeah, it might still be on stream. If you could see that, that was a, that's a good theatre production. I'll be checking that out too then. Um, thank you, Vivine, for your recommendations and thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been really thank interesting. It's been great. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Vivine. Tune into the next episode where I'll be speaking to technical supervisor for Disney Theatre, Nat Carvel Wood. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow, or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram? Thank you. <laughs>